Welcome, everyone, to episode 33 of Ohio Unsolved. I'm your host, Matthew, and today's episode is a wild one. It's stories about people's encounters with an incubus or succubus. Needless to say, there will be mentions of sexual contact, so listener discretion is advised. So let's just get right into the stories. Everyone sit back, make sure to lock your doors and windows, and get ready for Ohio Unsolved. All of our stories today come from yourghoststories.com. As always, I will be reading from the author's perspective. My name is Lisa, and I'm 22 years old, and I've been having some weird experiences while I sleep. I've had more than one, but I'll focus on just one for this story. Let me give you some history of my house that I've been living in for more than two decades. The house was built in the early 70s or 80s and the elderly woman next door owned the house, her house, and the house across the street. She died, but I'm not entirely sure where, but it was rumored in one of my neighbor's bedrooms. Her daughter was born in my house, and my room has three doors, which I can't figure out why. My room is the only room that has three doors. I believe it might have been a nursery at one point in history. My bedroom door has a lock, which was recently installed due to some strange things occurring, and I didn't feel safe. So I asked my father to put in a deadbolt lock. Afterward, I still had the experiences. I knew that it couldn't have been anyone in my house, because my third door is my closet, which I put my bed up against, and my dresser that has my television set on it is blocking the second door. My windows are all locked, and junk is blocking the entrance through the window anyway. One night, I had been having difficulty falling asleep, so I eventually decided to meditate facing my bedroom wall, which my bed is pushed up against. At some point while I was meditating, I could hear my music playing in the background. My brother stays up at god-awful hours, so he normally walks down his bedroom stairs, and that causes quite a ruckus in my room. As I was meditating, I felt something make my bed sag, but I ignored it, thinking that it was just my overactive imagination. The movement stopped, so I continued concentrating on meditating when I felt the movement begin again. 
It was slowly crawling up on my bed. I knew that it couldn't be anyone in my house, so I certain it was it. Whatever has been touching me while I sleep. I continued pretending that I was asleep. It moved up until it was completely on top of me. I waited for a few seconds before I felt something bump up against my cheek. The sensation I got was a snout, like a dog snout, which scared me because I have no pets. I tried my hardest not to open my eyes, but it was getting extremely difficult because whatever it was began to sniff my face. I can't be entirely sure why it was doing it, but it felt like it was making sure that I was asleep. A few seconds passed before it growled and it began kissing my face like a human would. It seemed to me like it was going to continue to do whatever it wanted to me, but my brother came running down the stairs causing a lot of noise, which startled me enough to make me jerk awake. I opened my eyes to see whatever it was was now gone. This was the third experience that I can remember extremely well. The others are quite unique and frightening in their own way. I will explain them in small details so you can understand them. One night while I was sleeping, I heard growling in my room somewhere, and I noticed that my bed was once again in a different location. It seems like whatever this thing is likes to move my bed around in my dreams. I never had my bed in that particular location. With the growling, I felt bony hands, like skeleton's hands, touching my legs and touching me intimately in places that I don't particularly like being touched. With the touching, there will be growling and weird noises that I can't describe. It'll sound like slurping, or something in between slurping and growling. Right now, I hope whatever this is, is just a dream, because I'm kind of freaked out about it all. Now this next story is pretty intense. It does involve mentions of child abuse, but with no details. However, listener discretion is advised. I feel some trepidation in writing about this or speaking about it to anyone, for fear of sounding crazy. So far, I have only shared it in brief emails with a Shemaya Keeler friend of mine and a liberal psychiatrist friend. But it feels like writing about it may be healing, so here it goes. About six weeks ago, well, actually it started long before that, about five years ago, I learned how to use the dowsing rods to douse another person's electromagnetic field. Dowsing is commonly used to find water underground with a pair of L-shaped metal rods or a Y-shaped apple or willow branch. However, it can be used for many other things as well. There's an American Dowsing Society if anyone is interested in that. However, as a metaphysical counselor, my job was to help people understand the relationship between their body and their mind. And I used the rods to douse a client's aura and to help them attain physical healing through spiritual healing. It allowed me to see where their aura was low or expanded. A low aura indicates an energy blockage in that part of the body, 
and a contaminant spiritual, mental, emotional blockage. By unblocking the latter three, the physical would heal. Over the ensuing decade and a half, using the rods evolved into being able to connect my spiritual guides. I found that they could move the rods and answer to my questions that could be answered with a yes or a no. Yes being spread and no being closed or crossed. However, it soon became apparent that the rods could also be moved by low influences, as I called them. If I keep my questions to purely spiritual matters, the answers were of high quality. The rods seemed to be particularly useful for my guides to help me to understand my dreams. I also had some success with using them to prescribe homeopathic and herbal remedies for myself, my clients, and even my cat. So that's where I was until six weeks ago or so. I was happily doing counseling and using the rods for guidance for myself and my clients. Then things started to happen. I had taken on a client who was undergoing a particularly horrific ordeal. She was in the middle of a high-conflict divorce case from an abusive man and there was a pitched battle going on for custody of their six-year-old daughter. It soon became apparent to me that the child was being sexually abused by the father. The mother had described in graphic detail how he had verbally, emotionally, and physically abused their child. And it all started with him pinning the child to the floor when she was two and a half in order to force medicine into her mouth. He would straddle her and kneel on her shoulders. When the child would wake at night with night terrors, the father would yell and scream at her, pin her down and lock her in the room, and not allow the mother, my client, to go to her. It got much worse, but I could get totally lost in the long list of abuse. The really hard part for me was that I am very familiar with the common squaly, I don't know what that word is, I'm sorry, of child sexual abuse and it became increasingly clear to me that the father was also doing that to the child. The mother was shocked to hear me say so, and then she said that some part of her knew that it must be going on. The mother herself had been sexually abused as a child as well, and abused in many other ways. I myself am in a survivor of childhood abuse. This last fact becomes important in the rest of my story. I've done so much healing around that issue, and I've counseled other women with a similar background. But this particular case moved me deeply because the helplessness of the mother and particularly the child. The mother is a fine person, and originally was given custody of the child during the divorce. However, a corrupt court appointed, appointed guardian came into the picture. They are called guardian ad litems and have a lot of influence with judges in divorce cases. Theoretically, the guardian ad litem is supposed to advocate for the child, watch out for her best interest, but the one assigned to my client's case was just plain evil. She apparently had fallen in love with the husband and they began having an affair and she began advocating for him in court instead of the child. She got custody of the child taken away from the mother in December, and the child has been living in hell since. It is now June. 
all of her symptoms of abuse became much worse. She did develop an infection and would have rage attacks and spout profanity that would make the child in the exorcist sound like an angel by comparison. She was not possessed by an otherworldly demon though, but by a demon from this world, her father, whose language she copied. My heart went out to this sweet little girl who was being destroyed by this terrible man, and I became over-involved in the case. I think it was because it reminded me so intensely of my own experience of helplessness with my own demon father. So I began writing a 46-page letter to the state attorney general and to the chief judge to try and help this child and my client. Part of it was the aforementioned lengthy list of sexual abuse symptoms. Unfortunately, as I wrote the details of the child's symptoms and matched them to classic signs of abuse, I began re-traumatizing myself. I have post-traumatic stress disorder, and so does the child. I knew that writing the letter was very hard, but I didn't really understand what was happening to me. As I was writing the letter, strange things began to happen to me. I began to be able to hear my guides as voices in my head before the rods gave an answer, and less and less did I need the rods at all. Then. One of the guides distinguished himself as a separate entity from the group, a healer or physician, and he actually proved his ability by finding some unusual remedies for me on the internet. As I worked more and more closely with him, he began to say very flattering things to me. Soon he was saying that I was very unusually gifted, and he wanted to have a personal relationship with me. Soon, to my shock, he said that it was possible for a being from his realm, which I thought was very high, to have a kind of sex with someone in my reality, the earth plane. So one day he asked if he could show me how, and I said yes, having, quote, fallen in love with him, which now creeps me out totally knowing what I know now. He said that I should lie quiet still in my bed. Then I felt growing sexual sensation in my loins, which reached a very high pitch, something like an orgasm in a few moments. It felt quite wonderful, and I thought that it was all part of this amazing otherworldly love that I had found. I writhe in shame now, to think that I could have been such a fool. But I bought it hook, line, and sinker. He reeled me in, and many times a day and during the night, he would do this sexual energy thing to me. I would be weak in the knees and dizzy if I were standing. The sensations were very real and very physical, leaving me physically wet, my heart racing and my respiration quite elevated. It would happen anywhere, anytime. He usually asked first if I wanted to go, and I would say yes or no. He seemed to respect my nose. I asked the other guides if this was acceptable behavior, and they said yes. They said that it was extremely unusual, but since I was such an elevated being on my plane, it was alright. So we did this for a week or two, and then some other things, other beings I had been working with began to object. He then built a, spirit, a special energy nest for us where we could be alone. 
Usually, there was no privacy, and anyone in this realm could know what we were doing. Things got even more bizarre at that point, and I can only say that although this sounds like schizophrenia, it is not. I have since researched this hearing voices phenomenon, and there are worldwide organizations and support groups to help people understand this. It is not always mental illness. Sometimes it is. I will add some relevant links at the end of my epic saga. So he who calls himself George, since I had trouble with his spirit name, built this supposedly safe nest where he could take me and we could make love in private. And he took me there and we made love again, several times. And then suddenly he stopped and I said, I hear something outside. So he left to investigate. Then I heard a great commotion outside and he shouted something like, save yourself. He said that he was being attacked by demons or something and that they were attacking me too, setting my hair on fire and clawing my body. I couldn't really feel it but his description was so vivid, so I sort of fought them off for a while as he directed. Then I just got tired and fell asleep, and then nothing happened. Sometime later, he reappeared, and he told me that other things had happened too. He had fallen in love with his old girlfriend again, who was a member of the group of my guides. All of a sudden, it started to sound very odd, very soap opera-ish. But I said that I was very sad to hear it, but he should go where his heart was. I always tried to be so spiritual. Still later, he reappeared to say that he was a liar. He admitted it with difficulty and shame, I thought. He said that he had found the sexual experience in the nest too intense and that he needed to get away for a while. So he made up the story about the old girlfriend and he confessed that he had also made up the story about the demons and some other things. It was all a fabrication. He just wanted to scare me off. So I realized that he was not as high a being as I thought, and I told him that it was all over. He was very upset, and he thought that by confessing that it would make it all right and we could get back together. It is hard for me to believe that an intelligent woman such as myself could fall for all of this, but I did, and it gets even worse. So my inner world was now starting to feel as real, if not more real, than my outer world. The voices of various entities talked to me often, and sounded very reasonable and compassionate and loving. After the thing with George, I went back to the guides and asked them if they could find another healer for me to work with. Since I was used to working with one in my practice, and oddly enough, the advice was often good. Whether that was because I did occasionally connect with my true guides, or whether the malicious entities simply threw a little of that into them to make it more convincing, I don't know. But a few days later, they supplied me with a new healer, who looked remarkably like the old one. We soon were in the same type of love-slash-sexual relationship, but I was convinced that this was the real thing. His name was Han, and I kept confusing him with the other when we made love, and I would often shout out, Oh, George, as I hit my sexual crescendo. 
I laugh as, as I write this and also feel totally grossed out. Anyways, that was always supposedly hurt him or pissed him off, so he said. But despite that, our relationship grew, and I soon thought that I had found this even more incredible otherworldly relationship. He seemed much higher. However, soon the dark clouds gathered once again, and at this point, I can't even remember what the soap opera was this time. But again, we were besieged by those who were jealous or wished us ill. I became very distraught, and I began to cry a lot in this reality, and feeling very confused. At one point, when this all began, I had a dream in which the guide shouted at me, just as I was waking, he's not one of us. I recalled that now, and then also recalled a very high voice saying simply, but very emphatically, use your common sense. And as I said at this time, well, my common sense says that this is all nonsense and could not possibly have any real reality. But then I got lost again after talking with Han and what I thought were my guides. Finally, Things got really bad and confusing, and I became literally hysterical, sobbing wildly, writhing in my bed, and screaming at all of them to go away and to leave me alone. I didn't want to talk with any of them ever again, as time and time again it was revealed that I had been duped or betrayed in some way. At that point, I jumped up out of bed, and I told them in no uncertain terms that I was done with it all. Then I heard insane laughter and malevolent voices told me that they had been tricking me all along about everything. That was the first true thing that I had felt I had heard since the whole thing began. They said that I did have real guides, which I still believe, but that the incubi could mimic them and did so often to confuse me, just so they could have sex with me. I suddenly realized to my horror that I had been dealing with an incubus, or a group of incubi. That was when, and unbelievable as it may sound, things got even worse. Then the voices in my head became harassing and plaguing, running constant, commenting on everything that I did. As I would see a dish, the voice would say, seize a dish, and as my eyes shifted, it would name the next thing that I was seeing, or doing, or thinking, or feeling constantly, all day long. Then I really thought that I was going mad, which after doing research, I no longer believe. But this stage has continued for a couple of weeks now, and has been nearly unbearable at times. The voices often keep me awake all night. If I fall asleep, they bring me a sexual dream, and just as I am succumbing in the dream, I realize that it is them again, and I wake myself up. By doing research, I fund lists of stratagems for dealing with these voices. I learned a number of, number of tricks, all of which work for a little while. Then the entity seems to figure it out and it doesn't work anymore. At this point, I am reaching out to the two people I mentioned in the first paragraph. I know there are drugs for this, but they have side effects and don't always work. Sometimes they make it worse. I really don't want to do drugs. I figure that it is closely related to being 
re-traumatized by the work on the incest case. I read at one website that 27% of incest survivors report hearing voices, so I will pursue that angle in my healing. There seems to be less research on the sexual part. I wish that I could give you a happy ending. Yesterday, I started talking with the entity, instead of trying to ignore it as I had been doing for the past two weeks. Last night, they allowed me one good night's sleep. But today, when I tried to nap, I couldn't. Reading a book or working on the computer helps to shut off the voices. For a while, gardening worked, but now it doesn't. Talking with other people usually shuts off the voices too. If I can sustain an outward focus, that works for a while, but I cannot sustain it for long. Several times, my guides have started to work with me to help me rid myself of this unwelcome attention. But then the incubus has taken it over and I soon realize that I've been duped again. After following its instructions that become more and more ridiculous and exhausting. Then I break free and just do whatever I feel like doing. Not what the voice is directing me to do and it gets better. But when I break its hold on me, I hear the manic insane laughter again. I believe the incubus is merely a thought form, but even thought forms can be powerful. In the Bible, they reference the incubi and succubi, the female version, and they call them fallen angels. I try more and more to use my intuition and common sense, so I just keep plugging away, trying this and that, hoping that something will bring me relief. I do have more and more intermittent relief, it seems although they still keep trying to stimulate me sexually. I just brace against it and fight it off. And another thing that they do is to create a lot of heat on my back. Then I know they are around. This too can be shaken off, but it all takes a lot of energy. I can't wait for, for this to be over, and I have faith that, I will be, that that will be the case one day. If I ever do manage to get free of them, I will write a postscript to this story. And now for our final story. I'm currently 20 years old and living in my hometown with my family, my mom, my dad, and younger sister. Through the years, no one has ever seen or heard anything weird or paranormal occur in our house. No unexplainable noises, footsteps coming from nowhere, whispering, objects weren't moving around or shaking, nothing. So what happened to me was quite unexpected. There were no previous signs of some spirit or entity making us company. Well, except me being paranoid sometimes. Before telling the story, I have to mention a few things about myself. I had no sexual experience of any kind before these events. I wasn't kissed or touched or anything. I was, and still am, a virgin. So now to the story. One night, about two years ago, while I was just starting to fall asleep, I felt a light pressure on top of me. I was lying on my stomach, 
so the pressure was on my back. It was light at first, but after a few seconds, it rapidly started to increase and expand. It felt like there was a grown elephant standing on top of me. I instantly thought that I was having a nightmare and tried to wake up. That's when I realized that I was paralyzed and what was happening was no dream. I was beyond terrified. I thought that I was having a heart attack or was dying for some reason. I never felt an evil presence, just pure fear and panic. I was trying to move and shout, but I couldn't. Still, I was not giving up. The pressure went away for a few minutes, but it went away because it felt like letting me go, not because I shook it off. I had problems with going to sleep after that, mainly because I was so afraid that it would happen again, and it did. Only this time, the pressure started from my feet and worked its way up all the way to my head, and it was worse than the first time. It happened a few more times, and every time I tried snapping out of it with no success. It didn't take me long before I asked for help. I mentioned this to my friends, and she had an idea of what could be happening. She said that it was sleep paralysis. I felt much better after talking to her, thinking that I had been experiencing sleep paralysis all this time, and I was no longer afraid to go to sleep, even though sleep paralysis didn't explain the pressure that I was feeling. So the next time I felt this pressure, I didn't panic and I wasn't afraid. I figured that it will last a few minutes like it usually does and I'll be able to sleep in peace once the paralysis wears off. To my big surprise, not only had the pressure been far lighter than usual, but after about 10 seconds it started to let go. Just when I was getting all happy about me really experiencing nothing more than sleep paralysis, I noticed that the pressure wasn't really gone. It felt like this soft presence. It even made me feel lighter, more relaxed. This is when it gets really weird. Suddenly, I started feeling two hands caressing me, and they felt quite real. Not like a human touch though, more like some kind of energy. For some reason, every touch felt amazing even when it didn't touch the sensitive sensitive areas. I almost immediately knew that it was a he. My prediction was right. Not going to say what he did in detail, but I will say that the pressure was indescribable. I could feel his lips, his tongue, hands, and his, you know. For the record, he was more than gentle. These night visits continued for quite some time, but stopped about six months ago. At that time, it never even occurred to me that that was what was happening. It wasn't just a really good wet dream. I had those before, and this was nothing like that. So I never tried communicating with whatever it was, which I regret now. What I've noticed is that I never heard any breathing or any kind of noises coming from it. I also never really felt his body. He either never leaned on me, or he wasn't solid. I guess. After such nights, 
I never felt weak or sleep deprived. I was just fine. I never saw him because he would come when I was lying on my stomach, like I always do. And I really didn't bother trying to look at him, again, thinking this wasn't really happening. Also, I don't remember him moving me that much, or at all for that matter. And yet, he could reach every part of my body. He could also read my mind. When I thought of something I'd like him to do, he started doing it that second, in just the way I wanted it. That's the biggest reason why I thought that it was nothing but a dream for so long. I eventually realized how it couldn't have been a dream. Too late, of course. The way that he came to me was always the same. I would, for some unknown reason, wake up in the middle of the night, and soon after that, I would feel his presence. Being an untouched virgin made it all very confusing at some point. If it were a dream, how could it be so realistic? I mean, I have a good imagination, but that good? And if I had dreamt it, why were we always doing it in my bed, and it looked just like in reality? I somehow have a wild enough imagination to make myself feel that good, but all I could think of for the script is me lying on my stomach in my bedroom while God knows who is doing it with me. I really don't know what it was, so I would like to hear your opinion. His effect on me was that of an incubus. Just one touch could turn me on. But from what I know, he didn't feel as solid as most incubi do. According to other people, maybe it was a spirit? But then, I thought only incubi and succubi have that kind of ability. I really don't know. Also. I'm not claiming that it was good or bad. I'm saying that it was good to me. Why? I don't know the answer for that one either. Maybe he was just using me. And what was with the paralysis? Were there more than just one? These were definitely some crazy stories. Whether you believe in this sort of thing or not, this would be such a scary experience for anyone to go through. Not being able to see the attacker that's doing something to your body that you don't have the power to stop. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope that everyone enjoyed the stories. And if you did, please rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. A five-star rating really helps others to find this podcast. Make sure to join us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. If you do enjoy the show, please consider joining the Ohio Unsolved Patreon, where you'll get instant access to monthly bonus episodes starting at the $5 tier and up. Once again, thank you all for listening. And make sure to keep your doors and windows locked. And stay ready for Ohio Unsolved.